Hello and welcome to the Everyday Niner Fan Podcast, the best dang bang bang Niner hang in central Illinois, as far as we know. I'm not sure there is another dang bang bang Niner hang in central Illinois. So by default, you and me got it. I mean, and if there is, at me, what's up? Week one of the NFL season is in the books. That I was I was gonna try to count how long it took to get to uh, a sigh from you, and it was in the first minute of the yeah. show. Not that long, not that long. Because of course, uh, things didn't go quite as we predicted. Probably about uh, uh, as far from, maybe not as far from, but not the thirty-five to seventeen niner win that I saw coming. Uh, but before we get to the unpleasantness. I think it would help the fans, the listeners, to get in the heads of the everyday Niner fan and the adjacent Niner. So I'm going to throw a question at you uh, just to get things uh, started here. What is your favorite episode of SpongeBob SquarePants? Take your time. This is important. The people have to know. Oh, no. I've considered this. Actually, I'm okay. pretty sure I talked to somebody about this last night. Oh, my goodness. The timing. I did not prep him at all for this. I told him, hey, I'm going to ask you a weird question. Didn't tell him what it was. This is serendipitous. Right. He put me in a position to say something stupid on the internet. <laughs> uh, little does he know, that's why all dozen of you listen to this show now. Um, it's definitely pizza delivery. The Krusty Krab pizza is Season the one. pizza okay. for you and me. <laughs> Uh, matter of fact, I have a sweater that, that says that. Uh, so now I have to post it. It's a, a rock. On yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, my favorite episode of SpongeBob, when I was younger, it would have been, I think it's called The Graveyard Shift with the hash slinging slasher. Okay, okay. I love that. But now, uh, in my old age, I would have to go with Shanghai. Which is the episode where Patrick and SpongeBob have to work for the Flying Dutchman? The flying Dutchman, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Just wood chips flying everywhere from the side. That's fair. There, it seems like episodes of SpongeBob are just infinite. So, yeah, there's got to be like a million of those things right. by now. I found one. I latched onto it, and that's that. Yeah, feel free to at my my dude here. To let him know your favorite episode of Spongebob. That is at Everyday Niner. Absolutely. For those that don't know. At Everyday Niner. Okay, now that we've uh, now that we've had a little pleasantness. This game, week one uh, against Arizona, did not go according to plan. Not great, Bob. Not great. It was a 24-20 loss. And uh, I'm just going to open the floor to you and ask, what the hell happened? Damn. Damn. First of all, damn. Ron Simmons, damn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so we got, first and foremost, Jimmy put in a poor performance. Like, most of the time, I'll go to bat for Jimmy. And I, I do still believe we can win with him. But we have to, as fans, confront the fact that maybe Jimmy 
isn't the elite quarterback that we thought he was when we first got him and that we hoped he would turn into. We have to deal with the fact that maybe, just maybe, he's going to be that quarterback that needs an awesome supporting cast. He's not going to be a quarterback that's able to elevate uh, the players around him. He's going to need guys to perform. Uh, he'll be capable of having like a top 10 season at any given season, but you're not going to be able to like put the team on his back for a whole season and and have him carry them to the playoffs like Russell Wilson does with the Seahawks every year. Yeah. Well, Jimmy went 259-2, and two, no interceptions. Well, 19 for 33. That, uh, that's because Trent Taylor had an excellent day at cornerback. He actually had two pass breakups on the day. So, <laughs> officially, Jimmy didn't throw uh, any interceptions, but he had a few turnover-worthy balls. Yeah, and uh, at least one pretty bad hospital ball. Ooh. That kid will... Oh, my goodness. This... I would love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Yeah. Of, like... Because both of those dudes are so nice. Like, I can't imagine... George Kittle just being inherently mean, but like I would love to hear like Jimmy try to find a way to say I shouldn't have thrown that pass, yeah, and then George finding a nice way to say you damn right you shouldn't have, yeah, like what the fuck, my leg, yeah, like the one, the one thing you don't want to do is if you're gonna throw a screen pass, like if you if you're gonna be inaccurate, throw it low, put it in the dirt, like. If you have to throw it so high that George Kittle, who's, what, 6'4 or some shit, has to go up and get it, that's not not a great look. Not a great look. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the offense now that we're talking about Jimmy. So rushing looked pretty good. I think you, you saw uh, Raheem Mostert uh, be... Maybe a little less efficient than than you would have hoped on the ground, but his passing work was stellar. That's where the running backs made their money as a whole is yeah. in the passing game. We had a good game uh, on the ground, but the running backs had a fantastic day catching passes. Like right. Raheem Mostert is the 49ers' leading rusher right now, and he's also the leading receiver. Yeah, four for 95 and a touchdown in the air, 15 for 56. On the ground, yeah. That's wild. Uh, somebody give that man Christian McCaffrey money. And the other touchdown was caught by uh, Jet. Jet McKinnon. Yeah. Called it, missed it by a little bit, but called it anyway. On uh, Twitter, like, folks were asking who was going to score, like, the first touchdown. And I said, like, Jet was going to catch one out of out of the backfield on, like, a wheel route or something. Yeah. And it wasn't the first score. The first score was by a running back. And it was Raheem Mostert on that little Texas route, which, as I tweeted, makes the spirit of Bill Walsh smile because that is a West Coast staple. <laughs> but Jet catches that little. I said, oh, shit, here, here we go. Like, take off, Jet. My goodness. Yeah, so most of the, the rushing work was, um, was Mostert. Uh, McKinnon got a, a few carries. Coleman got a handful of carries. Um, seemed like they were trying to be safe with him because of the air quality in San Francisco, because of the wildfires. Um, Kittle got a, a nice little little run. I think he, he went one for nine. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he caught a single pass in the second half. 
and it remains to be seen whether that's like because of the injury that he sustained right yeah. before halftime or if that's just uh the Cardinals making adjustments to take him away because um it was established pretty early on then that the receivers, the wide receivers, weren't going to be a factor in the game. Yeah, no so kidding. So if you're the Cardinals defense, you take away George Kittle and then deal with the running backs as best you can. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, do you know who the leading receiver was for the 49ers? In terms of? Uh, in terms of yards. No, might be a running back though. Is it Jet? No, I, I mean among actual wide receivers. Oh, among actual wide receivers. Yeah. It's a low number. No. It is. I'm going to say it's probably Kung Fu Kenny, though. It was Kendrick Bourne. There it is. Two for 34. Yeah, not great. Um, Now, once we get our whole starting offense back, a stat line like that for Kendrick Bourne makes sense. You know, five catches, 40 yards, a touchdown, and, and a few first downs. But not when he's a starting wide out. Yeah. That's not what you want to see. Well, and uh, from what I can tell, there was exactly one other wide receiver who caught a ball. And it was Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor. Two for seven. Yeah. So. Dante Pettis was a non-factor. Yeah. But, zero for zero. Not but, the stat line that you want. But it's very divisive. Um like you see there are 49ers fans on Twitter talking about like Dante, you know, he got bodied all game. And then there are other uh on the other side, you know, they're saying that just he didn't have any opportunities and I think it's probably in the middle. Like there was definitely the pass that everybody knows that Dante should have made a move for. Yeah. But he just didn't. It looked like he noped out of contact. And unfortunately, that's exactly what we expected from him. Like the the report on this guy is he he does not like contact at yeah. all. So, uh, you know he makes a he tries to make a play for that ball. Maybe he draws a pi or something, but just an unwillingness to go get it. That's that's not what you want to see, especially not with your quarterback playing a poor game. Like in the event that he does lay one out there that you can get your hands on, you got to try to make a play for it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that some of the the struggles in the receiving game could have been could have been corrected by having Debo out there. But like let's see say Debo's healthy. Do you think that makes a, a pretty significant impact on the game? Oh absolutely. Absolutely. Just because Debo he's a he's a very good receiver, but he's also like an excellent decoy. Yeah. They can put him in motion. They run gadget plays and sweeps and they right. hand the ball off to him from time to time. And it would just give uh, the Cardinals defense, something else to worry about. So uh, he was very sorely missed. And as we know, Debo is not scared to go pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Over the middle, deep down the sidelines, into safeties. It don't matter. And I know looking looking for bright spots, You, you <laughs> this isn't really the, the weeds that you want to get into. But man, Robbie Gold. Still got it. Two for two, 52-yarder. Getting it in. Yeah, like, in, a, in a week where we saw a lot of kickers missing a lot of kicks, including in, on the other side of the ball in this game, uh, it's good to see uh, that the Niners have it under control. Good as gold. 
Uh, <laughs> Robbie is still automatic back there, which you love to see. And then Zane Gonzalez misses two. Yeah. And you'd love to see that as well. Yeah. Uh, I just like, he missed it and I said, okay, it's, it's week one, uh, sloppy football. But sure. then you miss that second one. And you're like, wait a minute now, boss. What's, what's really going on right now? Uh, at that point, you got to fake, you got to pull a hammy, real yep. or not. <laughs> you got a Randy Bullock. The, the <laughs> That's the one. Pull a left and or right hammy. Yeah, which, it, yeah. Uh, he was out there, my neck, my back, my neck and my back. Because when you grab one on national television, like Randy Bullock did at the end of the Bengals game, you got to remember in the interview later which one you hurt. Right, you botched the delivery. What, what the hell? It's like, I, my left calf maybe is hurting me right now. Right. Like, bro, get out of here. Yeah, get, get all the way out of here. All right, the other side of the ball. The uh, the Cardinals offense. It you, you think from the highlights that they had a day. The Niners defense played a pretty good game. At least certain position groups did. The, you, you look at, at DeAndre Hopkins' stat line, 14 for 151. And you think, oh my goodness, Kyler had a field day. The guy threw for 230 yards. He just threw 151 <laughs> of them to one person. Yeah, threw a whole bunch of them to D-Hop. Yeah, so uh -huh. Kyler Murray's stat line, 26 for 40, 230, uh, 230 yards, a touchdown, an interception. That's not a, a stellar day. No. So, like, pump the brakes on all the Kyler Murray is a problem deal. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear it. And Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying... Kyler Murray isn't that dude, but he didn't have that type of game versus the 49ers. Like, the numbers are a bit deceptive, especially when you've got DeAndre Hopkins, who is arguably the best wide receiver in football. He's a game-breaker. Right. You've got him one-on-one -on -one with an undrafted corner in Emmanuel yeah. Mosley. Like, come What on did now. you expect that guy right. to do? You've got him You've got him in... You've got him one-on-one, -on -one, manned up. Like, but throw the rest, that guy the ball. Yeah, the rest of their receiving core... Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, four for 34. Uh, some guy named Dan Arnold. I think he's a tight end. I've never heard of <laughs> Two this person. Two for 21. Chase Edmonds, three for 19. Uh, Kenyon Drake caught a couple balls for almost nothing. Uh, Christian Kirk caught one for no yards. Right. So, really, outside of Hopkins, Nothing wasn't a lot on. going on in the passing game. No. Uh, the DBs did a good job. But uh, when, when the one... The one sour spot is 151 yards. On 14 catches. Yeah. But then, like, when I talk to people about the game, I go into, like, pride salvage mode. I'm like, but he didn't score no touchdowns, though. Yeah. <laughs> Which he he came up short on one play, like, on at that, the one-yard line. They had to review it. And there we it. go. As, as, as a homer, like, he couldn't even score a touchdown on a busted coverage. <laughs> like, we missed him. We let him run free, and he still yep. didn't make it. So, what's up? And, uh... The rushing game, you could also argue, for the most part, outside of one player, the uh, the Niners did a good job of stopping because that's a uh, pun. Kenyon Kyler Murray's number one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kenyon Kenyon Drake. He uh, he went sixteen for sixty in a touchdown uh, under four carry. Uh, Chase Edmonds six for twenty six, um, but that doesn't really matter when. Uh, when Kyler Murray goes 13 for 91 and a touchdown. But also, I'm about to get up on my soapbox. Sure. So listen up. Please um, do. I think 
in watching that game, I remember thinking to myself, Kyler Murray's trying to draw these unnecessary roughness yeah. penalties. Like, it, I think it's very we're, late. Slides. We're moving to that next phase, like when uh, when quarterbacks started mixing up their cadence and shit to try mm-hmm. to draw defensive lines offsides. I think we're going to start seeing quarterbacks who slide like incredibly late trying to draw that contact and get that penalty. Yeah. Because that was what I was thinking. A lot of times I'd see Kyler Murray scramble. And then like sometimes even in the pocket, he would just slide last second. And it seemed like it was in hopes that somebody would already be initiating a tackle. Yep. So that he could draw that penalty. And you know it's real when Dean Blandino, who like makes excuses for the NFL rules all the time, is on TV like, I don't love that call. Like that that's a dead giveaway. Dead yeah. giveaway. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. And I, you know, there were a few times where Kyler's looking at the refs and complaining for it, and I'm like, dude, right? Like, who? You, like, you being a wide receiver right now? Yeah. Like, stop. Yeah, and the calls you're getting are pretty soft. Right. Like, you can see these defenders who are like mid dive, trying to avoid contact, but making contact with like a forearm or some shit. Yeah. And he's looking around for a, for a penalty flag. It's like, man up, bro. What are you doing? But yeah, this this uh this Cardinals team. And I know the sample size is very small. About as small as the sample size can get one week of football. Right. Uh, they they rank 21st in the league in passing yards. And second in rushing yards. And half of their production was, you can attribute to, to one guy. And the weird thing was that we were talking about, last week we were talking about options. A lot of his production was on scrambles, mm-hmm. non-design uh, rushing work. Right. Where... He was just, and and you see scrambles happen when the DBs are doing their jobs. Right. They're looking at everything. There's nothing open. He's under pressure, and he just finds that little gap to wiggle through. Yeah, he's under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, a lot of that is just him running for his life out there. Um, and we knew that mobile quarterbacks were going to give this defense problems. Yeah. They yeah. always have. They give every defense problems. Right. Um. But that's just, it'll be an exercise in maintaining discipline in rush lanes and not getting too far upfield and not allowing him to break out of the pocket like that. Yeah. Um, and it's a good thing that this 49ers team, it, they escape the, the week totally healthy, right? Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure you were going to respond at all. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the the injury report as of today. I'm Friday. trying to keep my f word count low. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we saw Kittle uh, get the the knee injury on the the hospital ball, and Shanahan has come out and said, "Hey, Kittle not practicing this week does not mean he's not going to be available next week," which is promising, but you hope to see something, right? You hope to see him out there jogging, catching balls. Doing anything. Yeah. But this is also, like, we know some of the injuries that Kittle has played through. So, like, what we know for certain is that if Kittle's not out there, it's not his decision. Like, if if Kittle doesn't play, it's because they said, yeah, no, you're not going to do it. Because if Kittle's that, like, rub some dirt on it and let's go type of dude. Yeah. Um, We saw Brandon Ayukin. Uh, practicing this week, which hopefully means he's good to go uh, for week two against the Jets. The Jets. My goodness. Hey. If ever there was a team that you wanted to have, you were hoping for a bounce back. 
that's the one. The worst. I would I would call the Jets the worst team in football. Bro, like coming off of a failed relationship. That yeah. shit is a really good rebound. Uh, if you don't have anything more to add to the the Niners Cardinals, we can we can start to look ahead. Oh, uh no, there are a few things. Okay. Uh, we yeah. need to talk about Trent Williams. Sure. One. Um I mean, we did before we we hit record, but I'm R.I.P. to whoever that linebacker oh, was. Oh, my. My goodness. Sent Buddy to the Shadow Realm. Yeah. Okay. That man is in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> hey, he's somewhere. He don't know where he is. He can't remember his last name. <laughs> what time zone am I on? What country am I in? Uh, um, I think he graded out at like an 88 or an 89 for PFF, which is just right around elite. Like 90 yeah. is considered elite. So that's definitely what you want to see from a left tackle coming coming off of not an injury, but a hiatus from football. Like you want to see somebody who comes in, especially uh, replacing a guy like Joe Staley, come in and immediately play at an elite level. And like we love Joe Staley all the time, but... Joe Staley doesn't blow up middle linebackers like that. Trent Williams is is a gorilla of a man. <laughs> yeah. Like, silverback for sure. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on was um, Kyle Shanahan. He, I've got a slice of humble pie for him as well. Um, Which, coming from a man who's currently wearing a hat with Kyle Shanahan's face on it. Oh, shout out to the fellas on the 4th and Gold podcast. Uh, the merchandise is lit. Yeah, not only if you have a Shanahan hat, now you have a hat of Shanahan wearing a Shanahan hat. Shanaception. That was my attempt. At, I'm a little congested. I'm, I'm, I'm getting over some, some nasty head cold stuff. Well, and it's also like fairly early in the morning. So like I've still got morning voice. I'm okay with it. <laughs> a, little, a little lower today. Yeah, just... Go down low and do it my way. Um, what I need, and I think I tweeted this out, what I need is for Kyle Shanahan to call every game like it's the Saints game and we're down by seven. Yeah. It's like, I know um, I was watching the game and the first fourth down we hit, it was fourth and short. I want to say it was like fourth and two or something. And I'm like, go for it. Like this is when... You know, we were coming out, we were aggressive, we were moving the ball fairly well. Mm -hmm. We hit that first fourth down. It's early in the game, so if you don't get it, like, you may give up a score, you may not, but it's not out of hand. I'm fucking go for it. Like, I don't understand uh, some of Kyle Shanahan's more, like, conservative play calls. And I think... I think it's the downside of being so good at something. Like, Kyle Shanahan is so good at offensive football... I think that he gives opposing defenses too much credit. You know, like when a person is like a master of something, it seems so simple to them, but it's like complex to everybody else who doesn't yeah. know it. So I think sometimes he's thinking so far ahead and he thinks that defensive coordinators have figured his offense out more than they actually have. Yeah. So he's playing chess with himself. Yeah. And they're playing they're Right. They're still playing checkers, but he's playing yeah. chess with himself. Like yeah, he's, they're chewing on the bishop and right. he's He's spotting them points. He's like, okay. Oh, Okay, you know, this is what I'm trying to do, but this is how they're counter, so this is what I need to do. And sometimes we see, like, Kyle try to get too cute for his own good. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. He just, like, thinks that defenses have him figured out more than they really do. It's like, dude, no. That's that's the difference to me between, like, that's why he hasn't reached that all-time 
status. That's why, like, he's he's the best play designer in football, and in spots, he's the best play caller in football. But that's why he's not on the level of a Sean Payton or an Andy Reid, because those guys don't give a fuck. Like, they're trying to hang 50 on everybody they play. Yeah. And it seems like Kyle just doesn't have that that mentality yet. But, then, like, once he... Once he gets it, it'll be a thing to behold. I think some they, they need to have somebody who, like, he respects in his ear. Like, I think I said it last season when we were dealing with kind of the same thing. Get Mike Shanahan there somewhere. Somebody who, like, who can say, hey, coach, why don't we do this and make suggestions? Somebody whose opinion Kyle, you know, respects. And say, you know, maybe we should... We should do something like this because I think sometimes, uh, yeah, Kyle, he's in complete control of that offense and there's nobody to check him. And I think somebody needs to do that. Yeah. There, oh my. So there was a quote that you gave me after the Super Bowl about Kyle Shanahan. And I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up, but <laughs> you, you called him something like the dumbest genius or something. I don't remember exactly what you said. But and now I don't either. Yeah. But that sounds about right. Yeah. I'm I gonna... mean, that's basically what I just got done talking about. Yeah. It's like we keep talking about how or a creative idiot or something. One of those oxymorons. Yeah. Um. But like we keep talking about how good the Kyle Shanahan offense is. But it's. But it's only good from twenty to twenty. Right. Like once it yeah. gets in the red zone, like we put up a ton of yards, but we don't score as many points as we should and then we get like we get boneheaded play calls or, or head scratchers and we get conservative play calls and it's like what what are you doing at some point like we keep talking about how this offense is is a ferrari but it's like we don't want to hit third gear in it like let's let's go finally we've got the pieces okay the run game works and we know that we've got a legitimate elite tight end in george kittle um we've got at least decent receivers when they're all healthy. We've got a quarterback that may not be elite, but can get it done. Like, let's do this. Like, um, I think, like, we keep expecting the 2016 Falcons, and it just, like, keeps not showing up, and it's starting to get frustrating. Yeah. I, I think, I think my rant is over. Fair. All right, I'm going to throw it to our uh, your Twitter account. So you put out a question. You said, I'm going to open the floor up to you guys. Give me any questions you have about the game, and I'll see if I can't answer them on air. And that's exactly hey, what we're going to we do. We are on air. We're so going to do the thing. Let's have at it. Okay, first, um, this wasn't necessarily a question, but uh, Pablo Chavez, Chavez uh, asked, well, didn't ask. He just said, uh, Mosley let Hopkins do anything all the time. If you watch third options for the cards, they went with Hopkins, and every time he delivered. And it seemed like you disagreed with that. You said, I disagree, but let's also not act like Hopkins is just some no-name receiver. That's a tough assignment for any corner in the league. So you're not worried about uh, moving forward uh, the, the coverage, the DBs. No, no. Just like I said, um, Hopkins is elite. At receiver and Emmanuel Mosley is uh, he's a he's a good starter, but he's not an elite quarterback. And it doesn't matter what your offense is and what your defense is. Um, they were able to dictate looks that that saw Emmanuel Mosley and DeAndre Hopkins 
one-on-one -on -one in man coverage. And regardless of your system, if you've got your number one receiver one-on-one -on -one with a corner, you take that shot. Yeah. So, no, I think Hopkins' big day was a product of his elite talent and also what the Cardinals did, like, uh, schematically. Um, I think... I think if you've got a traditional pocket passer, somebody who's not mobile and can't extend plays, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have nearly as good a day. Yeah. Because then uh, defenses don't have to keep an eye on a quarterback and, and worry about him scrambling and doing all these other things. Yeah. So, no, I'm not worried about Emmanuel Mosley going forward. However, I am worried about cornerback depth going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Sherm's out with a calf. Uh, Akello is in concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. uh, from what I understand, he was in a non-contact. He did practice. So. Promising. Right. Um, Somehow, this is wild. Somehow, the only person who seemed to escape unscathed is the, uh, the ever-scathed Jordan Reed. Yeah. And we were so worried that he was going to get a concussion, and then he's fine. But also, I don't... He didn't see that many snaps in the game. Yeah. I think he caught one pass. Maybe two. Yeah, let me check his, uh, his like, stat line real quick. He didn't can... contribute very heavily. So, like... Two for you, 12. Yeah. yeah. If you limit his opportunities to get hit, then he's fine. I would have liked to see him more in the red zone, for sure. I think yeah, that's I think that's where he's going to make his money. Yeah, that's where he, he really did his, his best work for right. the artist formerly known as the Redskins. Yeah, now just the Washington football team. Yep. Who are... They, they pulled the dub, so... They sure did. They were the only team in that division. I was going to compare these two divisions because it, we we saw, like, a weird upside-down, like, what is going on where the, the Niners are... I mean, it's week one. You can't exactly yeah, the sound only the team alarm. in the NFC West that didn't win. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, the Cowboys, they lost. The, uh, the Eagles lost, of course, to the Washington football team. And the Giants lost to the, the Steelers. So, yeah, a weird week of football, which is, uh, like, I don't know how we didn't see that coming. It's 2020. Right. Everything everything is weird. 2020 is a doozy. Yeah, everything is weird could be the 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 tagline to this year. Uh-oh. I, I feel I feel merchandise coming on. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to uh, at Eli Essex. Whose uh, Twitter name is Dante Pettis' stiff arm? Okay, which okay. is fun. Uh, I'm not familiar with the actual at, but I definitely know like that that yeah. line. So there were a lot of questions here, but I'm just gonna uh, jump to a few uh, some stuff that we haven't really talked about. Uh, a question about tackling wasn't up to par, right? And is that a result of uh, soft camp? Um, partly it's a product of Quan Alexander. Uh, he's not a sure tackler. Yeah. And we know this. It, but yeah, part of it is uh, the weirdness of 2020, not having any preseason, not being able to go through uh, your typical like offseason. We should expect some relatively sloppy football for the first few weeks of the season. Yeah. Um, another question was about trust issues. Do we think that that played into Jimmy Garoppolo's not so great day? Um, I think we know that Jimmy does not trust Dante Pettis. <laughs> and maybe for good reason. Yeah, kind of rightfully so. Especially after, like I said, you give him a ball that's not great, but it's catchable. And you see him just not make a move on it. 
And like as a quarterback, you're like you're giving that guy a chance and and he's not making making the most of it. Like I wouldn't want to throw him the ball again if I know he's not gonna to try to make play on it. And this is the danger of talking too much about the game before the show, is I'm like, did we talk about that? Did we not? Uh you talked about his reads. Yeah. Yeah. Um they talked to Steve Young. And I mean, if you're gonna get quarterback advice, Steve Young's a great place to go. Yeah. And he says that it looks like Jimmy is making his reads too quickly, which is something that Steve himself struggled with in Mike Shanahan's offense, which is interesting. Um, and then when you watch, when you rewatch like some of the highlights and some of the bad plays from Jimmy in that context, they make sense. Um, there was there was a play in the red zone where uh, Raheem Moser, I believe it was, he comes out of the flat and he gets chipped by a defensive end or a linebacker or something. And you see Jimmy look at him at about that time as he's chipped. Yeah. And he says, okay, not there. He keeps going in his progression and nobody else is there. Meanwhile, Raheem defeats that chip and he's standing in the end zone by himself, like five yards away from anybody. And this is another moment where I I looked at my screen and I said, Jim, look, like he's, (laughs) look at him, throw him the ball. What's going on? Uh, So... I think that's what happens. He gets he, he makes his drop back, and he makes his reads. Not there, not there, not there, not there, not there. And then he kind of panics. He's like, oh, fuck, what do I do with the ball? Where do I go? And um, I think, as you said before the show, that's, that's where like the game slowing down comes into play. Once Jimmy's able to take a deep breath, relax, and make his reads with some anticipation. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if he takes a beat and just and lets Raheem defeat that chip, that's an easy six. Yeah, and the, the last question I wanted to talk about is where, uh, at least from uh, at Eli Essex, uh, where'd Gunslinger Jimmy go? Okay, so Gunslinger Jimmy is still there. Um, at least by my definition. Um Jimmy Garoppolo is every Madden quarterback, all right? Like, you pick a play, you run the play, and you don't give up on that play. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you in Madden what button you hit to throw the ball away. <laughs> right. Because you don't do it. And and neither does Jimmy, and that's my point. Like, uh, another time, I'm watching the game, and I'm seeing he goes through his reads very quickly. Boom, 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 boom. None of them are there. But instead of throwing the ball away and just starting with a fresh set of, you know, a fresh opportunity, he just waits and tries to make something happen. And I think that's okay when you play for an average offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like if 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 you play for, say, Seattle, uh, and they rely on you to make shit happen back there, you can play a little bit of hero ball. But you have to count on Kyle Shanahan's ability to make something happen offensively on every given play. So I would like to see that from Jimmy. That's what keeps him out of the conversation with some of these more elite quarterbacks is like those guys know when to give up on a play. If nothing's there, chuck it out of bounds. Let's keep it pushing. But Jimmy, for better or worse, he's going to try to see it through. Yeah. So Gunslinger Jimmy is is still there. Still there. Um, I had a very specific question. Um Shout out Katie. She asked me who would be the most exciting offensive player to watch this season. And that one's tough. Specifically on the 49ers? Specifically on the 49ers. 
Um, and I'm going to say it's Jarek McKinnon for me. Yeah. I'm so excited to see. Like, because, what I, well, we haven't seen him. But then we did. Like, yeah. We were like, this is what we expect him to do in this offense. And then he dealt with injuries. And he came in week one. And he did everything that we expected him to do. He ran the ball well. He cut well. He caught passes. He caught a touchdown pass. Uh, and, and he just he looks good. And I'm yeah. excited to see what he's capable of in this offense. So that's my pick is Jet. And then at Talk 49ers, which is a great handle. Way to, way to jump on that one. Yeah, it is. Concise. Uh, I like it. Should the Niners address the wide receivers this week? Which, at the time, they we had hadn't. not. Right. And, and so, yeah, that, at that point I was like, okay, who do they kick the tires on? Because mm-hmm. free agency is pretty thin. Uh, you're, you're looking at guys who uh, are there for a reason. You know, do you, do you look at Des Bryant who... You know, he's had workouts and nobody's signing him. Why not? Um, guys like Corey Coleman who had their shot, you know, Terrell Pryor. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Uh, and then, but the, of course, the big name was Mo Sanu. Right. Who makes uh, all the sense in the world. Yeah. Like any, any time a player has played for Kyle Shanahan before, that, that's his guy. Yeah, that's like right. He specifically yeah. targets guys who he's played with uh, before. But no. Uh, on Twitter, I believe like most of the suggestions we saw were like via trade. There was a lot of OBJ hype to the 49ers yeah. and uh, Allen Robinson, since he's not happy with the Bears right now. People were thinking maybe we can make that happen. But I like Muhammad San- Sanu. Um, I think he slots in and he can play immediately. And he can be that that kind of veteran presence like Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I buried the lead or not. He is on the 49ers now. <laughs> yeah, he's he's there. For those that don't know, yeah. uh, we signed him. One-year deal. But he's also a guy that even once Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel come back healthy, he can still contribute to this offense. Yeah. Like he's a really good third or fourth option. Right. Especially since we know Dante Pettis is not the guy. Like he probably just lost his job. Like, yeah. Like if if he had one shot, one opportunity, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> he didn't capture it. He let, he it, let slip. it slip. <laughs> right. So like they were like, if 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 ever we needed, like if there was ever a time where you could go out and prove like you deserve a spot on this roster, that was it. They were like, we have no wide receivers. We still believe in you. You had a great camp. Let's see what you can do. And then you don't do anything. Look. I don't know what you got your degree in, but it it may be time to put it to use. All right, that's going to wrap up. Quite, and and there were a few more questions, but I think we we sort of covered that stuff in our in our analysis of of the game. So please continue sending those questions. Absolutely. Look, interacting with 49ers Twitter is my bread and butter. Yeah. I'm about that. Uh we're going to shift gears before we talk uh, about the division uh, to a little segment I like to call Kirk's Corner, where I talk very briefly based on your... I did not tell... Yeah, you could tell by the look on my face that I didn't know this was coming. Yeah, Kirk's Corner, which is where I talk about Kirk Cousins for one minute or less. Uh, the And I'm not a... Again, I'm not a Vikings fan. I'm a Ravens fan, uh, but I love Kirk Cousins. So I'm pretty sure it's in your, your description, uh, Kirk Cousins Apologist. It sure is, on Twitter. Uh, Kirk Cousins Apologist. At, uh, at what? What's that? Adjacent Niner. There it is. Uh, Kirk Cousins this week against the Packers at home went 259 
and uh, two touchdowns with an interception. Uh, pretty efficient, 19 for 25, threw a couple touchdowns to Adam Thielen. But they, uh, they did not get the dub because when you give up 43 points, you do not win. That is not Kirk's fault, and that concludes Kirk's Corner. You're going to have a bad time. And um, for those of you who are, who are like, man, I hope he doesn't do Kirk's Corner every week, too bad. It's happening. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not very happy about it either. Uh, but my mama's a Vikings fan, so maybe I'll put her on and she can listen to Jeremy make excuses for Kirk Cousins all the time. <laughs> my final thought on, on, the, uh, on the Cardinals game is that DeAndre Hopkins had 68 yards after the catch. And so that's one thing that you'd look to minimize is tighten up. And again, he's an elite talent, but, uh, but yeah, 68 yards after the catch is no bueno. So the rest of the division, the, uh, the Rams played the Cowboys at home. Were able to get the dub 20 to 17. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I put that game on because it was a Sunday night game. But I was on Twitter. Like, I half-ass watched that game. I don't remember much of it. Yeah. Uh, Goff was uh, 20 for 31, 275 yards, no touchdowns, and uh, one interception. The uh, bulk of their production came, well, first of all, from, you know, they, they have a, a tandem of wide receivers who you're like, is it going to be Cup this week? Is it going to be Woods this week? It was uh, Robert Woods, 6 mm-hmm. for 105. Uh, no touchdowns in the receiving game. Both touchdowns came from Malcolm Brown, of all people. Malcolm uh, Brown. In the running game. They they have the rookie Cam Akers, who you kind of thought was going to be uh, the guy with the absence of Gurley. Gurley's now in Atlanta. But uh, no, they gave... Well, they, he, he did get a little work. He was 14 for 39, which is not... <laughs> not oh, great. Yeah, uh, under three a carry. But uh, yeah, Malcolm Brown, 18 for 79, averaging uh, 4.4 carry, two touchdowns. So looking ahead to whenever the hell they play the Rams, that'll be an interesting situation to see how it plays out. Um, I trust the 49ers linebacker core. More than I trust Dallas's linebacking core, though. Yeah. So, like, I don't expect those those type of rushing numbers from. I don't expect those touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, to come in the rushing. And game. they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. And they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, which is a good thing. Right. They do have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, but both of those dudes are much easier to cover. Yeah. The uh, the Seahawks played the Falcons in Atlanta, and. Uh, they dropped some points, and thirty-eight they, to twenty-five. Listen, they gave Russell Wilson an apron, and they said, "We're going to let Russ cook." Yeah. And as a 49ers fan, I am worried. All right, because um, <laughs> Pete Carroll's game plan since they got Russell Wilson is just to handcuff him. Oh, this yeah. is the best player on our team. Let's not give him the ball. Yeah. And they decided to hell with that in week one, and they let him. They let him sling it, and. Yeah, they hung what? You say they hung 38 on Atlanta? Yeah, 38 to 25. Listen. He threw as many touchdowns as he threw incompletions. He was 31 for 35 for 322 yards and four touchdowns. And he was also their leading rusher with 29 yards. So, yeah, it was it was weird to see them not really uh, succeed in the running game. So their their leading rusher in carries was Carlos Hyde. Who you've informed me is nicknamed? Oh, El Guapo. El Guapo. I had no idea. I was talking about 
the Three Amigos movie, and I said El Guapo. And, and, and in my head, I was like, what the fuck does Carlos Hyde have to do with this? <laughs> so yeah, uh, today I learned El Guapo, Carlos Hyde. And um, real quick, it just, the mental image just hit me. Like, Russell Wilson has been the Seahawks offense since he was drafted, but like, not on purpose, not by design. <laughs> like Russell Wilson is definitely like Ratatouille, just just pulling on Pete Carroll's hair <laughs> and produ- producing points. Like, but this time they said, you know what, Russ, go do your thing. We're gonna we're gonna design this and put the game in your hands. Like I usually like how he's you just taking that shit. To the rat from Ratatouille as Ratatouille. Hey, his name is Remy. I Listen. love Ratatouille. Hey, yeah, you do. But if he could have, yeah, if, if Russell Wilson could have led the team in receiving, he would have. But uh, he definitely put he's on, not figured out how to do it. He's definitely put on like the infinity gauntlet. And it's like, I'll do it myself. But yeah, he threw two touchdowns to his running back, Chris Carson, who did not get a ton of work in the running game, but uh, put it in in the passing game. Uh, DK Metcalf led the team in receiving yards, 95 in a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, 92. So, man, that, that tandem is going to be tough because DK Metcalf is a gigantic body at receiver. Yeah, dude's an anomaly. And Tyler Lockett is a burner. So and, I don't and, know who you even put your number one corner on. And it's like they've had these guys. Like It's so weird that they have an offense that's built to go vertical, but they don't. Yeah. Like you've, you've got all these deep weapons, and you've got Russell Wilson who throws a phenomenal deep pass. But uh, just run the ball. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, Pete? Yeah. Stinky Pete. He did unlock the passing game uh, here, though. And you have to when uh, the other quarterback, Matt Ryan, goes 37 for 54, 450 yards and two touchdowns. Boy. Imagine that's... leading the league in passing yards in a loss in which Seattle drops 38 on you. Yeah. And that was on the back of Julio Jones going nine for 157. Like, we thought we thought DeAndre Hopkins looked good. And we keep waiting on, like, Julio to decline because he's getting up there in age, and he just keeps not doing it. Yeah, they had three pass catchers go over 100 yards. And they lost by multiple scores. Imagine. Stupid. <laughs> so uh, the rest of the division, they get the dub. The 49ers are the, and again, the smallest sample size that you could possibly have. Right. You're not sounding the alarm. No. No. Most of these issues uh, are either correctable or temporary uh, with the injuries, you know, to the wide. Like once we get our one and two wide receiver back, once we get our our starting and or backup center back, I don't think that gets enough... uh, mentioned that like i'm pretty sure they called a guy up from the practice squad to play center versus arizona yeah and they had ben garland at right guard so like once we get that offensive line consistency we get our receivers back from injury and we just get we get more reps once we get like into the groove of football i think we'll be fine yeah i'm not i'm not ready to to sound the alarm yet however you kind of have to hover over the button because these are the issues that like most 49ers fans identified before the season. Like if if our battleship sinks, this will be why. Yeah. And and Sunday was just like a culmination of everything we were afraid of coming to pass. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure we just saw like worst case scenario 49ers football. I think that's our floor. 
And we probably saw just about as good as the Cardinals could possibly have hoped for that to go. Minus missing two field goals, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah Zane Gonzalez, what, yeah. Are you, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, boss? Uh, well, I've got a game that's not a game uh, for you right now. Okay. And I want you to name this team. Let's get it. This team passed for 215 yards week one, which is 24th in the league. Okay. They rushed for 52 which is good for 31st, so the second worst team in the league okay. uh, through one week. And then uh, that was good for 267 total yards, 30th in the league, third worst. Who is this team? Ooh. I'm going to need a hint. Uh, it's very relevant to week two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's where we're going with it. In the words of, uh, of Adam Sandler in Big Daddy. The goddamn Jets. <laughs> Listen. This Jets team looked horrendous. About Awful. as bad as uh, as you would expect from Adam Gase. Right. Why is he still in football? This is the question that I have. So the Niners are coming off of a loss, as are the Jets, who lost 27-17 to to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Sam Darnold. 21 for 35 for 215, a touchdown, and an interception. Okay. Their running game was led by Frank the Tank. The Tank. The Inconvenient Truth. And that was uh, six carries for 24 yards. Woof. True. And I think think Bell... uh, Injury. Yeah. Injury. Like a hammy or something. Uh And I think that Gase gave him a little work after that because Gase hates Le'Veon Bell for whatever reason. Right. I'm not, like, okay, he's like he's definitely the best player on your team now that you got rid of Jamal Adams. Yeah. So, like, what's up? What's really going on right now? Yeah. So, yeah, Bell had – he went 6 for 14. Uh, R.I.P. to my fantasy team. Jameson Crowder, who's dealing with a hammy injury, led their uh, receiving core with – Seven catches for 115 yards and a touchdown. But who knows what that situation is going to look like uh, with with the hammy. What could possibly lead to an 0-2 start for the 49ers when the Jets are weak too? Okay. Uh, so for the 49ers to take an L in week two, everything that went wrong on offense is going to have to go wrong again. And yeah. on defense, um, we played good defense, top 10 defense, but not elite defense week one. So we would need to go from, we went from elite to good. So for us to lose, we would have to go from good to average or slightly below average. So we would yeah. have to take step, take a step back pretty much across the board to lose to the Jets at this point. And if we lose to the Jets... It's time to panic. Like, yeah. Then we we need to have a talk. Like, yeah, Sam Darnold. Uh, things are not panning out for Sam Darnold. No. And it's so weird to see that. Okay, let's just let's just take a look at that draft cl- class of quarterbacks. Dig, if you will, this picture. So we had five quarterbacks go in the first round. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Okay. Who people laughed in the Browns' face for not taking Sam Darnold there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I remember we were at Buffalo Wild Wings, and we watched yeah, that draft. Yeah, we sure were. Yeah. And, like, 
with the number one overall pick, the Browns select Baker Mayfield. And I remember I was like, huh? That guy? And not Sam Darnold? Like, I thought, I was like, this dude is like, he feels like Johnny Manziel 2.0. Yeah. Uh, Which, luckily, we're not there with him yet. Like, he's actually pretty good at football most of the time. And then and then Sam Darnold goes, uh, Josh Rosen, who is a... Woof. Is he even a backup? I think he is. I yeah, think. but I don't remember where. Exactly. I mean, literally the year after he's drafted in the first round, the Cardinals take a quarterback in the first round. And and get him the hell out of there. Yeah. Uh, and then Josh Allen. And then, but not not only that. Okay, so he goes to Miami from Arizona, right? And you're like, okay, well, this is this is the start of Josh Rosen's redemption arc. And then they go get a quarterback. Yeah, they take Tua, and they say, now we need to get him the hell out of here again. Yeah, like Buddy is like, good luck, Chuck, out here. <laughs> Like every time, like whatever team that he ends up with finds their franchise quarterback shortly after, and then he's got to go someplace. Yeah, else. I was not expecting a good luck Chuck reference today. I do what I can. <laughs> so, just briefly to to take a look at this stretch of of schedule for the the Forty ers they pull they go at the New York Jets, at the New York Giants. Which hey, that's not too bad of a travel week. Uh, it depends. Right now, with with COVID, we don't know if they're going to be able to stay on the east side. Okay, they may have to like go someplace else. I don't think they're going to be able to stay in New York both of those weeks. But then they go but, uh, versus the Eagles, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Dolphins, right? And then the Dolphins. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty good get right stretch. Yeah. Uh, for the for the Niners, and then they have. Uh, I feel like if any of those teams like give us problems, it'll be Philly. But I'm not. I'm not really concerned about them. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll talk about that in the yeah. coming weeks. But then they have a stretch where they play the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, and then the Rams again, and then Buffalo. So, uh, yeah, you, you definitely want to see them right the ship in that stretch of games. And this is a good place to start. Yeah. Because I don't think, especially with uh, a hamstrung uh, Lev Bell. And Frank Gore, that you're going to see a lot of ground production, yeah, and with a also hamstrung Jameson Crowder, uh, you're probably not going to see. I mean, you're looking at Chris Herndon, their tight end, maybe leading the way. Uh, Brashad Perryman, which is a swear word among Ravens fans, just the bustiest of busts. What a curse! Yeah, um, uh, I think the most important thing for the 49ers in these games coming up are that we're going to be dealing with pocket passers. We're not dealing with highly mobile guys with the exception of maybe a Carson Wentz. So uh, we've got Sam Darnold, who's a stand in the pocket guy. We'll have Daniel Jones, who's a stand in the pocket guy for the most part. And then I believe we'll still be dealing with Ryan Fitzpatrick by the time we get to Miami. Mm-hmm. And he's a stand-in-the-pocket guy for the most part. And that'll be most important. So, like, I can already hear Twitter talking about how back the 49ers are because the defense just decimates the Jets' offense. But with some context, we're going to eat stand-up quarterbacks for lunch all the time with this front seven. 
So who's the MVP this week? Who? And and uh, what do you what do you see the result, the score, mm. and the winner be against <laughs> the Jets? Mm. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to put it out there in the universe. I know I was wrong week one, but week two, I'm feeling it. A uh, 49ers win against this uh, this Jets team that not only is bad and has maybe the worst coach in the National Football League, but like the few bright spots on their offense aren't that bright. Well, yeah, and the, yeah, they're hurt. <laughs> you got you got Crowder and Bell who were. Uh, who were their hopefuls this season? They're they're hopeful, bright spots. They're both dealing with injury. Who knows if they'll be available? Who knows how limited they'll be? Yeah, this should be uh, the the 49ers making a statement this this week. Yeah, um, like a like a twenty seven to seven statement. Right. I I'd, I'd be surprised. I I need at least four touchdowns from this 49ers offense. Yeah. I'd I'd like to see like a thirty-one score. Yeah. Yeah, like a thirty-one ten or something like that. I'm gonna put I'm gonna be aggressive with okay. my MVP of this game. Okay. Brandon Ayuk. Ooh. Yeah. I like I, it. I think that this is the week where the 49ers say, Hey, yeah, we've got something with this wide receiver core. You okay. didn't get to see it last week, but now But here we go. Yeah. Um, and Ayuk is getting at least one of those touchdowns. Facts. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a more safe pick, and I'm going to say it's Nick Bosa. Okay. Um, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said mark it down. The 49ers are going to sack Sam Darnold five times, and they're going to pick him twice. And I think I think one of those picks is a linebacker, and I think I, I'm seeing Fred Warner. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna see classic. Haley Joel Osment, Sam Darnold. Yeah, seeing dead people. Um, so I think we'll have a pick by the linebacker core and a and a pick by one of the safeties. And I think and I think most of that'll be on the back of of Nick Bosa. Yeah. I think like this defense is just gonna wreck face on on the Jets. They've got a guy, like I said, who's not mobile, who's not gonna do a whole lot outside of the pocket. Like they're gonna be able to just pin their ears back and get after him. I'm also expecting another good game. From Javon Kinlaw, like I'm expecting him to to continue to progress, is uh, he showed real potential versus the Cardinals, and I'm looking forward to that next step. And who's filling the gap as far as where we saw injury hit? Well, we know we've got <clears throat> Mosa new, so I mm-hmm. expect him to start opposite. Um, uh, I think it'll be Kendrick Bourne again. And then a mixture of Muhammad Sanu and Brandon Ayuk. I think they'll they'll rotate in on that spot. Yeah. Because Mo's he knows the offense, but he's still new. And then um Ayuk is talented, but he's coming off an injury and he's a rookie. So I think they'll rotate those guys in. Um, let's see, who else do we lose? We got uh Sherm's sure. out. So depending on what's up with Akello and his concussion protocol, I think it'll either be Akello and uh Emmanuel Mosley. Or it'll be uh, Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley, at least until Jason Verrett gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> then it'll be Dante Johnson. Death taxes, Jason Verrett getting and hurt. God help us if Dante Johnson is starting at cornerback. <laughs> the good news is it's the New York Jets. Yeah. The bad news is Dante Johnson has to be on the football field. I don't yeah. even want him on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> like, make him wait in the locker room until the game's over. Yeah. Whatever. 
And then uh, if the Kittle injury, because there's a chance that they're being coy about this just just to make the Jets right game, game plan, plan for it. Uh, do you think Jordan Reed can can fill the gap at least? I no. mean, because because you're not expecting a hundred percent of George George Kittle if George Kittle right. isn't there. Um, no, I don't. I don't expect any tight end in the NFL to come in and do what George Kittle can do. Yeah. So there's that. Um, but I do think that what it'll mean is uh, we'll see more more involvement from the running backs as pass catches like in week one. And I think we'll see a heavy dose of Jordan Reed in the red zone if Kyle Shanahan gets his mind right and uses him there. Yeah. So maybe maybe a touchdown or two for Jordan Reed like on the goal line or something. All right, so you say 31 to – what do you think the Jets will score? 10. 31 to 10 dub for the Niners. Yeah, I'll give them that. All right. Well, I think that's as good a place as any to uh, bid adieu to the faithful. Any last words from yes, the Everyday Yes, I forgot fan? to say it in the first week because I was so excited and also very nervous and also very new. Uh, please, wherever you listen – to this podcast like rate review subscribe all of that i don't know how in the world we we've gone international right like i don't know how we we cut a podcast and we forgot to tell people to like rate and review the shit and people still found it and right but that was says i was i I feel like really weird plugging myself on Twitter, but I guess like it's necessary. You do what you got to do. So I'm just like, dude, check us out, check us out, check us out, check us out, check us out all the time. So yeah, check us out. Uh, Shout out to all like, I think last time I looked, we had 16 plays on the first episode. What in the world? Like that's cool as fuck. Cause typically the only people that I talk to about football are people I work with and they're not 49ers fans. So yeah, (laughs) uh, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at at Everyday Niner and me. at Adjacent Niner for me. And I will leave you with this. You know what's funnier than 24? 25. That's from SpongeBob. Goodbye. <laughs>